So welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Serial Seller. Um, really excited with my guest today. Joseph Fung is a tech sales expert. He's developed a sales enablement platform and also runs a sales training organization based in Canada in Waterloo. And um, I, I'm going to find out a lot more about tech sales and how to be mega successful in that space. So, Joseph, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Tony. This is going to be a fun conversation. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. So I was, I was really intrigued by the, the name of your organization, Kite, and I, we, I want to explore that in a, in a moment. But for my guests, tell, tell me a little bit about how you got, for my listeners rather, how you mm. got into the world of sales. Absolutely. Um, like a lot of sales professionals, uh, a little bit through the back door, you know, surprise circumstances. Uh, I studied computer engineering in school, right. so always saw myself as a technologist. I love tinkering. I love building. Uh, but that very quickly set me down the path of an entrepreneur. And when you're an entrepreneur, you can't just build something and hope the market comes to you. You need to learn how to sell. And so as a, a deeply private introvert, I had to very quickly learn what it meant to get myself out of my comfort zone and learning how to network just for my business, tell people my story, the company's story inadvertently led me to being continuously our top sales rep. And recognizing that this was a learnable skill, I think really tipped me over the edge and built that passion and that thirst and that enthusiasm. Uh, and now I, I can't stop doing it because it's just so much fun. I love that. And, and I, I want to pick up on something you said there about you're obviously a very private, quite introvert. Mm -hmm. In your opinion, you know, can introverts, or clearly you've already answered it, but a lot of introverted people think they can't be in sales if they're introverted. What's your sort of thoughts on that? Uh, it is inc incredibly and completely incorrect to assume that. Uh, to be fair, there are certain skills, job functions, uh, techniques that will be easier if you're naturally extroverted. But on the flip side, there's a number of things you need to be really powerful at as a sales rep that can sometimes be easier if you're introverted, you know, following on your leads, keeping your CRM up to date, doing your research. And so I think a lot of it is not so much about drawing a conclusion just based on a trait or a characteristic, yeah. but recognizing where that gives you an advantage or weaknesses that you need to build up on. Yeah, no, I think very good answer. So tell me, I know you've got a, a um, tech sales training program uvaro mm. correct that's tell, right tell my listeners a little bit more about that what, what that does how that helps absolutely so the uvaro training program is a tech sales boot camp and we primarily work with individuals who were in sales or a customer facing role in a vastly different industry but want to participate in the rapid growth that's happening in technology software as a service our 12-week boot camp puts them through the paces of what tech sales looks like, mm. helps offer a lot of that translation in processes, terminology, conventions, mm. and then introduces them to tech companies that are rapidly growing. Mm. And the part that's so exciting is we have so much confidence in our network and in our training that we don't require any tuition until they graduate and land a full-time job. Wow. And so we're really facilitating not just exploding careers, but helping democratize and establish more quality in the realm of tech sales that. and it's yeah it's i love that 
And, and you've built this um, sales enablement program, Kite, is that correct? That's right, yes. Which I, I learned from a little bit of research, the Japanese for listen, which I often get this question asked to me is what is the number one skill or characteristic of a top sales producer? And I would argue listening has to be up there. You know, I, I don't know if you agree or not. Oh, 100%. Uh, moreover, though, we thought about Kite as a sales enablement platform. How do you enable reps? And I'd go even further and say to be a sales leader, to be a sales manager, to enable a sales team, listening continues to be the number one skill required. Yeah. And, and for, for listeners who might not be familiar with a sales enablement program or platform, mm. can you tell me a little bit more about what it does, how it works? Sure. So for those who aren't familiar with the, the role of the function, ultimately it's about not just bringing reps who are new into the organization and getting them up to a high level of performance, but helping them grow, thrive, and stay up to date with the latest work that's coming out of the organization. So there's one part coaching, one part training, one part marketing, it's a complex role. Our platform enables that by delivering teams. Uh, a good way to think about it is instead of saying, here's a manual or a presentation to memorize, instead saying, here's a cheat sheet. And oh yes, it's updated based on the best practices that everyone has real time. So when you're going into a discovery call, you're doing a demo, you always have the best techniques and tricks right at your fingertips. Oh, nicely articulated, uh, that's perfect. And in terms of how sales has changed in, from when you started out to, to now the clients that you're now working with and developing, what are the big things that you, what's the big shifts that you've seen now in sales? It's uh, it's hard to answer this question without sounding trite because I'm in technology, uh, but it holds very true. And I think this is true across every industry. The prevalence of technology in the sales process means that as a professional, you have many more tools you need to be an expert in. You know, it's not just about, uh, can you work your, your contact database? Can you use your tools? Can you drive your car to get to the, the next deal? You have such a plethora of tools that you need to leverage and need is the right word because all this technology also means you're competing with a much wider array of competitors. It's very much a global landscape. And so while you're in the UK, you and your team may be competing with someone who's in Florida, in the US or in Thailand, and everyone is using new and exciting technologies to be that much faster, that much more personal, that much more bespoke for their clients. And so that use of technology is not just an opportunity, it's quickly, surprisingly quickly become a crucial need. Can you give me an example of some of the technologies that you feel reps need in today's world so to really ex you know, succeed? Well, uh, aside from playbooks delivered by Kite, let's put that on the background. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a couple I would point to. There's all of the obvious, you need a CRM. So let's ignore the really obvious ones. Yeah. Um, one technology I would point to that's perhaps not as obvious to more experienced reps is a sales engagement or sales acceleration platform. You know, tools like Sales Loft, Outreach, Vanilla Soft, these are tools that make it faster for you to dial, to send emails, to book calendar meetings. And as an experienced rep, it's easy to, to push back. I don't need these. I'm proficient. I'm, I'm effective. But I've seen it firsthand. Take the same rep, driving the same process, running the same series of emails. Using that technology, you can see three, four times the amount of productivity from a single rep. And 
if you're a professional, don't you want to deliver the most? Yeah. So that's one. The second I would point to would be a conversational analytics. Mm. So gong, chorus, uh, exec vision. A lot of teams will say, hey, I don't need to listen into all the calls because I trust my team. But that's the wrong way to look at it. Number one, when you can actually search through, find those snippets, it's much, much easier to identify key coaching opportunities. Moreover, you can use them as training for subsequent reps. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. I've come across Refract, which does mm -hmm. exactly that. It does search keywords or questions or, or an objection that may arise and how did the rep handle that? Yeah. And it really enables the reps. That's the big thing. A rep can leave a call and instead of going, well, crap, I wasn't at my best. Yeah. Hey, hey, Tony, could we talk through a call and they need to paraphrase it? You need to think through it. It's always tough. They can literally go in and say, hey, this snippet, what did I do wrong here? Or what could I do better? And that makes your job as a manager, as a leader more efficient. And it makes them as a rep way more uh, enabled. Mm -hmm. They are the master of their own coaching. And that is very empowering. Mm, That's brilliant. You you mentioned that you've talked about a couple of characteristics of of what makes a top performer. I want to dive deeper into that and elaborate. In your opinion, you obviously work with hundreds or thousands of sales reps. What what would you say are the, the most vital traits or characteristics of a top producer? It's always so, so fun. Um, we have the unfair advantage of being able to analyze a ton of data. Mm. We power uh, about 14,000 playbooks across 2,500 organizations. Yeah, so we, we get to see a lot of data, what works, what our top teams using, what are not. Um, and there's a couple of characteristics that are really uh, almost self-evident. Mm. So as we see teams excelling, one of the things that's very apparent is the teams that adopt that idea of continuous improvement. Mm. Hey, I'm, I'm going to go through and do some extra cold calling to, to practice a new script, or mm. I'm going to deliberately test an email subject and see what comes back. So mm. that repeated testing methodology, if you can bake that into yourself as an individual, huge advantage. Mm. Uh, the two other characteristics, which aren't as obvious that really jump out is a strong, well-developed ability to tell stories and mm. I don't mean long rambling ones, but very concise. Here's the message, get the idea, yeah. you know, that storytelling. And then the ability to weave in personal commentary. How do you be authentic? Yeah. It's, it's so interesting now because especially in technology, there are so many companies selling just so many buyers. You don't need to feel, you don't need to feel at all. Like there's a cultural mismatch. Yeah. If you believe in, reducing poverty. There are companies who are selling technology that does that or who enable not-for-profits who do that. If if you really want to travel, there are companies whose sale process enable that. So that idea of selling authentically and letting that come across in your salespersonship, your sales activities, uh, is a very nuanced skill, but increasingly critical. And we see it separating out the good from the great reps. And so I'd really double down on that. I think they're really good observations because you, you're absolutely right. It's 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 so easy to follow a script and therefore not allow your personality to come across. Um, and you're absolutely right with storytelling. I've had Mike Adams on my podcast, who's magnificent when it comes to storytelling and written written books about it. But but it is it's about 
articulating that message the right way. And people remember stories, they don't remember facts. You know, and I think that's, that's a really important point. What, what would you say, you're clearly one for learning and growing and developing. What's some of the best advice, Joseph, that you've been given in your career to date? Oh, uh, it's it's such a simple nugget and it's it's used by so many, but I'll double down on it. The idea that feedback is a gift. Mm. You know, the, mm. No matter what shape or package or wrapping it came in, it really is a gift. And if you can take that feedback, give it the, the respect and appreciation that a gift deserves and actually genuinely reflect on it, that'll accelerate your own growth, your own development. And mm. you'll build rapport and trust in ways you never would have anticipated. Mm. So give me an example of one of the most useful bits of feedback that you've gained that served you. Um, this is one I share with my team. So if they're listening, they'll be, oh, Joseph's sharing this story again. Uh, one of my earliest employees came into my office. We always had an open door policy. Uh, and came in and, and said, Joseph, you're being a jerk. That's how we started the conversation. Uh, and it was tough because the immediate visceral reactions, you know, blood flows to the face and you're on the defense. It's like, what, what are you doing? I'm working so hard for the company. Don't you understand what I'm trying to do? Um, but this employee let me know that although our values talked about work-life balance, mm. I was putting in very long days. I was very often the last to leave. And that was creating stress in the team where they felt... I was saying one thing and doing something else, and that makes me a jerk. And mm. recognizing that and realizing that, yes, I might choose to put in that extra effort, but the way I do it communicates things to the teams. And mm. making subtle changes to my routine, my flow, mm. made it a lot easier for the team to live and follow our policies and our mandates and our values, and mm. for us to actually build the organization we aspired to be. And that's a great example, because I think if you can take the feedback that you're being a jerk and use it in a constructive way, it's a, it's a yeah. good starting point. And, and that's a really good point, because you know, if you hear that you're being a jerk, there's many assumptions you can make of what you're doing, what you're saying, what you're acting. But actually, I would never have guessed what the, the rep was referring to. So that's, that's a really valid point. And conversely, what would you say has been your biggest success in sales or something that you're probably most proud of? to date most oh that's tough as you as you ask the question immediately goes to what are the biggest deals that we've closed the things this doesn't fit the normal mold perhaps but uh, my last company is an hr technology company and we sold it to a much larger software company mm. and i marked that one as a success not because of the size of the transaction but because of how strong the fit was as we looked at our opportunities, we considered our options, raising money, selling to other companies, we chose a direction after careful thought and the results were very successful. We watched for a culture fit. In many ways, the company was the kind of company we were gonna grow up to be. Yes. We looked for values alignment. I had committed to my team that uh, in the local area, a couple of companies had been bought and the teams moved to a geographically distant city i had promised the team we would never move them mm. and the acquirer wanted to invest in this area and that cultural alignment that values alignment and the business alignment we realized we could do better do more for our customers faster mm. made it such a great fit for the buyer and the product mm. that it was so much success it was such a blast 
amazing. I love that. And I know in my background was selling software probably 22 years ago. And I address management solutions. And the Bible that we stuck to with that we read time and time again was spin selling. I'm mm-hmm. sure you're familiar, right, with Neil Rackham. What what do you think now is different for, for Rec potentially coming into the tech space and the this SaaS space? What is the Bible now that they should be studying? Yeah, it's interesting. We tell our team, we get that question a lot. What's the book I should read? What's the best sales methodology? It comes up all the time. And it it may sound glib, but the comment really is, it's whatever methodology the company has, because mm. across the board, across the board, most technology companies, as they grow and evolve, they end up with a mishmash of methodologies. Yeah. You know, we use these methodologies for our qualification. We use these ones for our demos. Uh, we had somebody come in two years ago and they rolled it out, but we never used it. And the big problem is never actually the methodology itself. It's just that people aren't adhering to it. And the first and the biggest step you can take is really doubling down on whatever the methodology the company has subscribed to, and then to really push it forward. Mm. And that's a, that's a really good point, actually, that one of the challenges is that you said we had a coach come in a couple of years ago and we didn't use it. Mm-hmm. How do we make the sales organizations implement what they learn and more importantly, stick to it and, and create consistency? So much of it is cultural. Uh, if a trainer is brought in just from you know the top leadership and there's no adoption, no champions throughout, it's never going to be adopted. So change management principles, let's get some real champions at each level of the organization. Uh, moreover, leveraging technology you know, carefully. Um, I won't name the vendor, but I'll give you a, a, an excellent poor example of change management. Um, this will, it's, a, it's a world recognized training name. Uh, they came into a local technology company, uh, rolled out some robust training, it spent about quarter million dollars in training across the whole organization. Wow. Uh, and when they left, everyone had these beautiful printed three inch binders that were put on their desks uh, and very rarely opened thereafter. Uh, and on the flip side, I see organizations where they leave uh, whether it's technology like Kite for an agile playbook, and there are others, or using technology like Gong or Chorus to validate calls, yeah. but more importantly, they bake it into the process. So the best organizations I see do things like carve out half a day a week just for practice and development. Mm. And maybe one week it's role play, the next week it's objection handling, the following week refreshing material, but that continuous attention to learning. Um, mm. There's wonderful, wonderful research about the recency of learning. And if you graph it out, you see that spike in knowledge and then that rapid decline. And you need that continuous touch base so that you can actually grow the learning instead of just prevent loss. Yeah. 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 What would you, someone who's obviously very keen on continuous improvement, what are probably maybe the three best books or resources that you've personally, you know, learned from? Oh, I love that. You're not letting me get away without, uh, by dodging the book question. Yeah. Uh, hey, I lo- love it. Uh, a couple really come out. The first one that I'd point to is actually triangle selling. It is, it's a methodology, but it's a methodology of frameworks. The reason why I like it is that, yeah, A, it's designed for technology sales, mm. which is great. Most methodologies were designed before the internet existed. So this is very relevant. Um, 
and it's a, a set of micro frameworks. So you could leverage it just for your discovery calls or just for your demos or just objection handling. And it makes it very easy to roll out. So triangle selling is one that I would really point to. Um, the, uh, the second that I would point to would be the sales development handbook. Uh, and the reason I would point to it is that uh, I've seen so many very experienced reps in other industries skip the lessons that are normally delivered in a junior role in the tech space mm -hmm. and be it tools, social selling, outreach with a modern technology stack. Uh, and so the book is not designed to be a take your sales game from, you know, good to great. It really is designed to help entry level employees get really functional, mm -hmm. but it fills in a gap so well that I see many have. Um, so I'd emphasize, uh, I'd emphasize that. Uh, and then the last one's not actually a, a sales book, uh, but I would point to Peter Drucker's The Effective Executive. Uh, okay. Yes. The, the reason, the reason why I emphasize it is, uh, I mean, he, he invented the term, he comes up and, and really posits the idea of a knowledge worker in a modern workforce. And the idea of as a worker, your role is bringing in information, transforming it and sharing it thinking about that lesson, the lessons of spending your time on the right thing. He does yes. a great research where he goes into a company and they say, I spend 80% of my time on the most important things. And it turns out it's 10%. Yeah. These fundamental lessons are so critical to maximizing your success as a sales rep. And it is such an accessible and a profound book uh, that it's one I really recommend. Yeah, I've heard of Drucker, but I've not read any of his work. And, and I actually want to piggyback on one of the things you just said, you know, that salespeople, where are they actually spending their time? What would you say are the three biggest traps or areas that salespeople fail from, from your learnings? So from our learnings, and uh, I, this won't be a surprise, one of the biggest areas that they lose time is hunting down information and researching. Uh, depending on the research study you tap into, it's anywhere from 25 to 40% of their time hunting details down, like the state of the product, you know, security, competency, what's the best way to objection handle this, a good customer example, all of these things. That, that's why we built Kite. Uh, so obviously that's one of the challenges. So for sure, you know, I'll double down on that. Um, the second one uh, that I'd handle is uh, actually in, in preparation. Uh, and I, I shared that because so many teams aren't systematizing their storytelling mm. and their sharing. So uh, if you put yourself in the shoes of a rep, you're going in to deliver a pitch, maybe it's your second or third call with a customer, you know they've got a few stakeholders. And as you prep for that meeting, you're thinking, okay, what is the background information I need to have? Because the CIO will be there. What are the customer references they might ask for? Let me go and scramble and get those ahead of time. Um, what are the uh, you know, demos, the features I want to make sure I demo? Just that preparation time. I, I don't mean to say preparation is not valuable, but that reps rarely take the time to prepare in a general sense. Yeah. The idea of, hey, I'm going into a manufacturer doesn't matter which manufacturer, but if I'm going into a manufacturer, here are the default plays I'm using. Yes, yes. And if you have that template, that default play, you can now do 10 minutes of preparation versus an hour. Yeah. And if you ever get stuck in that pinch where you have zero time for preparation, you know you're still going in with something very strong. Yeah, 
Yeah, and that's excellent. Excellent point. Um, and the final thing I want to ask, if you went back to your younger self when you started out selling, knowing what you know now, what would you have done differently? Uh, I think this is, I, I don't know if this applies to all sales reps, but definitely to all entrepreneurs and maybe all introverts. Uh, again, at the risk of sounding glib, I'd say ask for more money. Mm. <laughs> and the, the the reason why I push that is, as an entrepreneur, as a founder, if you're in an early stage company or you're early in your career, it's very easy to have a lot of self-doubt. Yes. You worry about your your ability as a sales rep. Am I actually bringing the best solution? Am I understanding their needs right? You worry about your product. Does it do what we said we could do? Yeah. Are they going to realize the value? And all of this self-talk leads you to start with lower price solutions, to start by downplaying it. And very often you can talk yourself out of the sale and talk the customer out of the sale. And candidly, uh, and again, this might be an introverted engineer thing, but I have seen more situations where we've underpriced ourselves. Yeah. The deal wasn't profitable or where we actually were so cheap. The customer didn't think it was realistic mm. that if you can get yourself beyond that, convince yourself. And now I see it, the value we have as an organization, the value we can deliver, the more confident that you can be in that, the better your customer will be served and the faster you can move as a leader as well. Yeah, that's amazing advice. And you, you don't strike me as a typical introvert, you know, where you, I would on the Cole Young's matrix, I'd put you as an ultra blue from the way you've described, but you definitely don't come across like that. What's your best advice for any of my listeners who maybe are ultra introverts and want to become a little bit more extrovert? How did you do it? Uh, for me, I had to pay attention to two things. Uh, and I don't know if this will work for everyone, but it worked for me. Uh, I was very deliberate in building the skills. Mm. So if you need specifics, I joined Toastmasters, I joined BNI, I joined yeah. the local uh, Chamber of Commerce, that these organizations that hold regular events that force you to stand up and speak for 30 seconds, one minute. Yeah. And let me practice. I could say the same comment, the same sentence, the same pitch again and again till it became my own. Yes. But that was exhausting. Mm. It was so exhausting. So I found I actually needed to learn how to schedule my own recharge time. Mm. And whether that was going to a concert where I can be lost and hidden in a crowd or just soaking in the bathtub and watching a movie, but actually booking and reserving that time so I had the opportunity to recharge was really what I needed to balance that very difficult effort of acquiring the skill. I was going to say, you, you must have put yourself in a real out of comfort position, you know, to do that. I imagine most people thought of networking with, with a room of strangers for an extrovert is uncomfortable. But for an introvert, it must have been like your hell. Oh, my goodness. It was terrible. And I've seen photos from the events now. And I'm this scrawny engineering kid with a suit jacket that's three sizes too big. Yeah. Uh, uh, so now when I'm at events... I try to find that person and spend some time with them because I, I know how terrifying it can be. Oh, good for you. They're good for you for actually putting yourself out there and having the courage to do it. And, and it's obviously it served you well. So where can my listeners find it a little bit more about you and, and your training programs and your enablement platform? 
Absolutely. So folks can find us on our website, uvaro.com, U-V-A-R-O.com. If they're curious to peek behind the curtain, we share a lot of our content on YouTube. So youtube.com slash uvaro. And me, I'm accessible on most social networks at Joseph Fung. Just all one word. Perfect. Well, thank you so much and really appreciate your time. You've shared some, honestly, some absolute nuggets for my listeners who are either in the tech space and want to progress or want to get into the tech world. You've definitely given us a lot of food for thought. So thank you so much, Joseph, for sharing that with us today. Thanks for having me on, Tony. This was a blast. I enjoyed the conversation thoroughly. Likewise. Keep safe, my friend. You too.